Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Daily Wisdom Words Podcast, where every week we talk to folks who have stories, advice, and life facts, all of which take you one step closer to that feeling of hope. I'm your co-host, Neil Torrevi. And I am your co-host, Jeremy O'Day. And welcome back to an exclusive part two of our conversation with Adina Banklees. And we're so honored to have you back and continue that conversation, Adina. Hi, well, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's really great to be back, back with you. I'm excited. Thank you. Yeah. So are we. Last week, so you filled we. us in with so much detail. I, I appreciated that, by the way, so much that you gave us the full picture on the introduction of CEI and what it is. And and uh, let's start with that. I know you some additional things. Anything that you would like to add as far as telling the people what that all is about that we may not have covered last week, and then we'll get to some of the aftermath of that and what people can hope for if they are dealing with CEI. Absolutely. So I'm just going to do a little bit of a review, if that's okay. So CEI stands for covert emotional incest, covert emotional incest. And that means that in A child is used as a substitute or surrogate spouse for one or both of their parents. So they are a confidant. They are told things that are appropriate for the the caregivers. Sometimes, right, we have all kinds of families now. So we say that's appropriate for the caregivers to share with each other and or get outside professional or peer support, but they go to their children. So what's important to know is there's something called the intergenerational boundary that's present between caregivers and adults and children. And it needs to be there. We talked a lot last time about boundaries and what parents can do. So the intergenerational boundary is present. Number one, for hope, be aware that it's there, that as a caregiver and adult, you do, there is a power differential between you and the kids. And it is important that the children know you're in charge. That helps them feel safe. If you have appropriate natural and logical consequences for kids rather than punishment. There is a program that's been around for a long time uh, and it's called Parenting with Love and Logic. And Mm -hmm. that's been a program that has personally helped us to parent our son Uh, And so I want to give that as a resource. We can put a link to that and people can check that out and see if that would be something that would work for them. There are books, it's online, there are groups, there are therapists who specialize in that all over the country. I don't know about the world, but I would know that I know the country. So just for that and respecting coming back to that intergenerational boundary and respecting that there is that power differential. So providing I'm in charge, you have a voice, your voice is important. So we recommend family meetings. We recommend family meetings once a week, which start off with, how was your week? How are you feeling? What are we doing? We're teaching kids Mm -hmm. the language of emotions and we're validating those emotions because when they have that language, they are able to tell us what's going on, which we want. We want to know what's happening. If anything not good is happening, we want to know. The other is it assists them in being able to uh, soothe themselves 
if they can know what they're feeling and they can say what they're feeling and they can be validated in that, not fixed, validated in it, hold, can we hold the space of that? Can we tolerate those feelings? They can learn how to soothe themselves, which then is prevention for things like addiction and mental health issues. So you're doing prevention as you're doing your family meeting, as you're teaching them that feeling language. So what does that mean? I, as the caregiver, have to learn a feelings language. I, as a caregiver, have to do my own personal work on, on the tr whatever the issues are for me so that I can tolerate, stay calm, and hold the space for my child's emotions, whatever they might be. So I want to just give you an extreme example of this. So when my son was young, two and three-year-olds throw tantrums, right? I mean, that's what they do because they don't know how to deal with their frustration yet. Yes. Right. They don't developmentally, know how to right. It's developmentally appropriate. Yeah. So when, when my son would do that, I would say, honey, here's a safe space. Go for it. Do what you need to. I'm right here. I'm in the other room. When you're done, come back. So I didn't get involved. Awesome. I didn't try to stop it. I didn't get hysterical. I did because when we as parents overreact, that's when the kids overreact and it doesn't help them at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Exactly. So with CEI, coming back to CEI, these are some of the ways parents can prevent trauma in their children and can prevent CEI from happening, getting your own help, doing your own work, having your family meetings listening to your children, and then making decisions that are in their best interest. Okay. So <clears throat> when the intergenerational boundary is crossed and that surrogate spouse role is put on the child, the confidant role, what happens to the child is they feel very powerful. Hey, I could make mommy feel better. And oftentimes they're mm. told that. You listen to me. I feel so much better because you listen mm -hmm. to me. So kids feel powerful. Kids feel special because, again, they're told that I'm special. Um, uh, my daddy listens to me and not my mommy, for example. Um, and as we, uh, as a friend of mine said a long time ago, the bigger the front, the bigger the back. So the front is the special wow. and the power. The back of it mm -hmm. is powerlessness and shame or what we might call terminal uniqueness. So mm -hmm. powerless is, I can't fix anything. Mommy and or daddy come to me with their problems in the marriage and I can't fix it and I can't fix them. So there's the powerlessness, there's the helplessness. And <clears throat> after that, it's a special is, I'm alone. I don't have support. I have to figure all this out on my own. I'm little, this is too much for me. Mm -hmm. And I can't um, and do it. So there's something wrong with me, which then that's the shame message. Just one second reading. That's the shame message. Okay. There's something must be something wrong with me, which is why these things are happening. Okay. Right. I'll stop. Sweetie, I just wanted to ask you is then we're setting them up for failed marriage, right? Do you think we're, we're setting them up? Yeah. In general. Yeah. So, we're mm -hmm. setting them up for, for failed relationships mm -hmm. because we're not teaching them about healthy intimacy mm -hmm. and, um, boundaries. and boundaries. And I have so many people that call me that say they're adults 
and they say, let's mm-hmm. say it's the, the woman, right? She calls and she says, I don't know what to do because my husband, my husband's mother is the third person in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. She wants him all the time. He's always focused on her. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Ken Adams, who I mentioned in the last uh, podcast, mm-hmm. he has a book called Married to Mom working specifically with men who have the CEI with their moms and he does workshops and things. So it's very common, not very common. Let me say often can be that, right? If it's CEI, it can be that. So what I want to dispel is the myth of it's father, daughter only, because when we think incest, that's what we think. And I want people to think Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter gender. It could happen anywhere. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to be aware of that. Great. Yeah, that's great. So that's great information. Yeah. The other piece that I think we don't say a lot that people might relate to is this, this cringy feeling, the icky feeling when you have to go hug somebody. We talked a little bit about that last time when you have to hug or, or you have to kiss And my family. This was just my family. We kissed on the mouth. I never thought anything about it until Mm -hmm. I was in my adolescence. I mean, we're just, um, and then I started to feel uncomfortable and I didn't want to kiss my dad on the mouth. My dad didn't French kiss me or anything like that. I just didn't want to kiss Mm -hmm. him on the mouth. So Mm -hmm. what was, what was not okay was that I was uncomfortable. And when I said something, I was shamed for it. Like, what's your fucking problem? Excuse me. But that was what, what's your problem, right? This is what we do. That's the piece that's traumatic. Absolutely. Does this make sense? Yes. Absolutely. Oh yes, my God. 100%. I can remember not wanting to kiss uncles or, you know, cousins and stuff like that. Just like, right. you know, when you, I was always like running off. See ya. Wouldn't want to be. But, yeah. And that's yeah. a very healthy response, right? That's your flight response. Mm-hmm. When something is not okay and your boundaries are being violated, your nervous system is taking good care of you. So if you can get out of there, great. Some, mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't, you know, you're forced mm-hmm. to. Sometimes it's a hug that's too long and it starts feeling mm-hmm. icky. This yeah. is mm-hmm. the stuff I want people paying attention to. This is the stuff that's not so overt. And right. people will say, well, there's something wrong with me. It was really okay. Why am I feeling like this? Is it? No. Yeah. Respect what you're feeling and be able to say it and take care of you. Kids we can't do that. We want to support them in doing that. We want to teach them that they can say no about their bodies. I mean, how important is that? I taught, that's amazing. And I taught my kids, yeah, I taught my kids that you have a second brain and it will kick in. Like you'll get the hairs on the back. What is it called? Um, When you know, when you you feel like like, intuition, Intuition. I go, the hairs on the back of your neck will stick up or your stomach will be queasy. And that's telling you something's not right here. So listen to that. That is so perfect, Rena. That's a great way to, to, to teach mm-hmm. kids about that, that they could understand that. You have a second brain. These are the things that happen. Mm-hmm. Pay attention and listen. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when they come to us with that, when they come to us, even when it's about us, how critical it is for us to listen, mm-hmm. for us to say, it makes total sense that you feel that way. Okay, so what do we need to do? 
to take care of this and then problem solve. Mm -hmm. There was a client of mine a long time ago who had, again, came to me with a lot of signs and symptoms of physical sexual abuse. And so we talked about her family of origin and growing up in her home. And she talked about her father who made peepholes in every room of their home so that he could watch his wife and his five daughters whenever he felt like it. Oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what she said to me was he sexually molested my sister, but he never touched me. So I don't understand why I have all this, these issues. So number one, mm -hmm. she felt like she couldn't protect her sister. And that happens mm -hmm. so many times that people experience that guilt. You know, I couldn't protect them. The other is that she didn't validate because he didn't touch her. The trauma and the boundary violation, the sexual boundary violation of the peoples. And that's another piece of CEI because it's not overt. It's not the physical touching of anything. It's the elusive. It's the not tangible. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and we touched that a little not, bit on that last week about how that's mm -hmm. the hardest, right, to get help for is when there's no tangible proof or evidence or, oh, he touched me here, then that's easy to report. But when it's verbal or intuitive or anything that there's no physical signs of, it becomes so difficult, right, to reach out for help. Reach out for help. And as we also said, Neil, that, you know, a Child Protective Services call would be made uh, if, if there was a physical touching and if you make mm -hmm. a call on this kind of stuff, nothing's probably going to happen. Like you talked some of the tips, I think that's a perfect segue to, you talked about how fam what families can do, have that talk time of how was your day, how was your week and all that, allowing mm -hmm. children. What about those who have been through CEI or now in their adult years are facing the aftermath of that and various mental health issue symptoms, not the least of which is trauma. Um, where do they start as far as either therapy or hope or just if they're lost or maybe they, or maybe Healing. like I wasn't, yeah. or many of us may not even, be, maybe they weren't even fully familiar with what CEI was or that they had CEI and maybe they just discovered it via talk therapy or any other method or, or listening to a podcast like this or reading your book. So where do they start? What do they do? What is that first step they can take if they're feeling completely lost on what, where to go next? All right. So just to backtrack just for a second, the first place to start is the awareness that something isn't right. Right. And that you're asking for help. So you're listening to this podcast, you're looking up on the internet, mm -hmm. you're, you know, or you're asking friends or you go to a professional. So so the awareness and asking for help of any kind is your first step to healing and the mm -hmm. first hope. So you do not even have to if do it this happened, alone. Even if it happened 20, 25 years ago, it's still oh, there. So, yeah. So let's, yes, absolutely. And Bessel van der Kolk, who is one of the premier psychiatrists and researchers in post-traumatic stress disorder, he wrote a book. It's been on the bestseller list for a long time. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. So what okay. he says, trauma is processed and stored in your body and in the parts of the brain. We talked about this last mm -hmm. time, the limbic system, mm -hmm. middle, brainstem, mm -hmm. 
the flight mm -hmm. fight response. And mm -hmm. so it is, it doesn't matter how long ago it happened. It is in your body and it is critically important that somatic or body modalities are utilized to be able to heal trauma, to release that from your body. And there are many different forms of therapy now that focus on the body and the nervous system to regulate your nervous system. Be it, when regulate means be able to tolerate emotions and stay present in the right now so that you can think and feel at the same time that you're not so anxious that you're off the charts or you're not so depressed that you're numb and shut down. We want something in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so the awareness, the asking for help, no matter when it happened, as we said, I want to mm -hmm. say a few of the modalities that people can be looking up and researching. So one is called EMDR. It's eye yeah. movement, desensitization and reprocessing. Mm -hmm. Don't get caught mm -hmm. up on the, the long words and the big name. Don't get mm -hmm. caught up in that. EMDR. Uh, the research is showing of EMDR that it is extremely powerful in PTSD, depression, anxiety. So to look that up and they have on the EMDR.com, they have find a therapist. You can always find a certified EMDR person in your area. They're all over the world. Mm -hmm. Now they're doing telehealth, they're doing EMDR virtually, and people are getting trained on how to do that. So if you're not able to get into an office, you can still get help. So that's one modality. Another modality is called som somatic experiencing, and it was developed by Peter Levine, Dr. Peter Levine. So bottom line for somatic experiencing is he studied animals in the animal kingdom about their fight flight response. And he works with the nervous system again, very, no, not many words at all. It's not about you telling your story. It's about you paying attention to what's happening in your body so that you can, what's called pendulate, which means I can go into some difficult feeling and I can come out of it mm -hmm. and go to some good stuff and I can go in mm -hmm. and I can come out. So I don't get mm -hmm. stuck because people get stuck, That's right? Okay. So Thanks. another, I'd say another two modalities, another modality is called sensory motor psychotherapy. And that is also paying mm -hmm. attention to the body and the nervous system. And that was um, developed by Pat Ogden. So that's something else people can look up. Um, a model that, mm -hmm. as we talked about last time, psychodrama is somatic. Mm -hmm. And internal mm -hmm. family systems therapy is, uh, is a model that has really been helpful to me. That and psychodrama has been very helpful. So internal family systems therapy was started by Dr. Richard Schwartz. People can look that mm -hmm. up. And basically what it is, is accepting that normal human personality development is that we all have parts to us. Mm -hmm. Right? There's mm -hmm. a part of me that's really mm -hmm. excited to be with you here. And I have to admit, mm -hmm. there's a part of me that would like to be traveling in Ireland right now. Oh, I'm going right? with you. All three of us. That makes three of us, I'm by the way. So there's a part of me this, there's a part of me this. So to yeah. have many different parts is normal. People think, oh, parts? Mm -hmm. Oh, that somebody has multiple personalities. No, 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 no. no. We all have parts. Mm -hmm. yeah. Depending on how early our trauma was, depending on how mm -hmm. consistent it was, 
how severe mm -hmm. it was. I'm talking starting mm -hmm. in utero. We said last time zero to four or five, right? Yes. So mm -hmm. if I have that trauma significant zero, four to five, the only mechanism my brain has to cope with that is called dissociation or splitting off. So mm -hmm. I do develop these very distinct parts of me to be able to cope with that when I am so helpless and powerless. It's the mm -hmm. only way my mm -hmm. nervous system can do it. So if I have that severe trauma early on, I can mm -hmm. have much more, many more distinct parts where I could actually start losing time or not remember things happening. Mm -hmm. People can tell me, you know, mm -hmm. you seemed like this, you know, you were so outgoing mm -hmm. and now you were this. And so that could be mm -hmm. something we used to call it multiple personality disorder. We call it mm -hmm. dissociative identity disorder today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're on the continuum, Neil and Rini, right? Everybody's on the continuum of what mm -hmm. happened to you, that book I mentioned, and how did mm -hmm. it impact you? Those are two. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. happened to you and how did it impact you? So mm -hmm. those are the pieces for healing. Those are the questions to start asking. And yeah. we ask those questions in terms of all aspects of our life. We ask, okay, so how about relationships? How did it impact how I do mm -hmm. relationships? How did it impact mm -hmm. what do I think of myself and how do I view mm -hmm. myself? How did it affect my mm -hmm. mental health? How mm -hmm. did it affect me being able to work? Do I have legal consequences? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, how did it affect my spiritual life? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And I'll get to that in a little bit. So we look at all areas of our life. So when people can start to identify that, that is a big piece of the healing. So mm -hmm. that's awareness and Absolutely. asking for help. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The next piece is about boundaries. Important. I, important. So I important. never heard the word boundary before never. I was 26 never. years old. Mm -hmm. Right. No, no, never heard that word. Never. And the piece that was so sad to me and yet really helpful for my family system was when I started mm -hmm. to um, do this work about boundaries and start to talk about and set boundaries, my parents and verbalize this very strongly. We feel like mm -hmm. you don't love us anymore. You're hostile. Mm -hmm. They took it very personally. And I have to say, when I first started setting boundaries, I probably was, was for, you know, stern and because I didn't have practice in it. And I was scared. And when I'm scared, I can come off pretty cold and angry. And what's underneath is fear. So, mm -hmm. but in the family what, system, the boundaries meant what, I don't love yeah. you. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there was a lot of teaching about, I do love you. That's why I have these boundaries. You know what? I was going to mention something um, that we were talking about a little bit earlier about in utero and how whatever a mother feels, the baby feels. And I, my, my uh, niece is pregnant. She's so cute. And, you know, if you laugh, your baby will learn to laugh in utero. Your baby yeah. will laugh. Yeah. You know? So, I mean... We need to lighten up, people. Is what it basically is. <laughs> and 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 boundaries, boundaries. Always, you know, right? Boundaries. And so, so. I want to give you a, a definition of a boundary because people say, "Well, what the heck okay. is that?" Right. So a boundary. You go to you go to uh, the the dictionary. It's a border or limit. It's a border mm -hmm. or limit. So what we teach is that 
your motive for a boundary. If you're going to set a boundary, you check your motive. If your motive is self-care, this is to take care of me, mm-hmm. then it's a boundary, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And you're setting mm-hmm. a border or a limit. If it is right. to change somebody's behavior, if it is to threaten, give an ultimatum, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. It is not a boundary. It's a threat and it will not work. So, right, for parenting in particular, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to set a limit with my kid, no, it's not okay that you talk to me that way, for example, Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. do it and I don't have natural logical consequences, I'll give you an example. So when my son was an adolescent, uh, he knew it was important to me that I get a a card and an acknowledgement on my birthday. Very simple. Mm -hmm. Uh, and my birthday came around and I didn't get anything. And so I told him, I said, I'm really hurt because I let you know. And this this was like the first year it didn't happen. I said, I just want you to know I'm really hurt. And he heard me. Uh, and then he right like five minutes after he said, mom, would you drive me to so-and-so's house? And I said, you know what, Ian, I'm really not feeling like doing anything nice for you right now. No, you need to find another way to get there. That's what mm-hmm. I'm talking about, natural logical consequences. And I was calm mm-hmm. and I was able to do that. There are times when it's very hard to stay calm, but I was able to do it don't and just say it like that. To, yeah, don't respond to anger with anger, ever, right. ever. Yeah. You're not going to win the power yeah. struggle, right? You're not going to win. No. We, as human mm-hmm. beings, we all try mm-hmm. to win that struggle, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work. No, no so, but if you look at the person that's angry at you and you just look at them for, you know, a few seconds and you go, are you okay? That's when you win. Because then they step back and go, why am I so angry? There was in the 80s, mm-hmm. there was a, a, a saying of, you know, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. And so what can we do is we can channel that because that, those, mm-hmm. Those parts of us, those young children are still in us, right? They're still in our mm-hmm. cells and in our bodies. They live in us forever. So how can we unburden them? Those are terms from IFS, mm-hmm. internal family systems. How can we unburden them mm-hmm. so that they can play and be free and spontaneous the way that they're supposed to be? That's the healing. Mm-hmm. That's where, you know, that's where we go to. So mm-hmm. to find the joyful moments, even when there's grief, there can still be joyful mm-hmm. moments. Guy, there's a psychologist named Rick Hansen, and he is a Buddhist psychologist. He wrote a very famous book called Buddha's Brain. And he also wrote a book yeah. called Hardwiring Happiness. And what he said, very simple, right? Very simple. A meditation would be like, for example, I'm looking out a window right now, at the beautiful nature that's here in Tucson, Arizona. So there are certain trees and cactus and things and the sky is really cool and So I would pick something to focus on and I would do it for 12 seconds. He said, if we do it for 12 seconds, we're changing the neurons in our brain. So it's something I can take anywhere. I can take it anywhere. And I'm going to regulate my nervous system because it's something positive. It's another piece of the healing, which is the spirituality. And so people can, people can mistake religion for spirituality Exactly. And that's not, you can have spirituality in religion, but religion is not necessarily spirituality. So I encourage Mm -hmm. people, I encourage people to look up definitions of that and come to their own 
belief mm -hmm. system about what spirituality is. Um, I talk mm -hmm. about it in the book. There's a chapter about spirituality. And just for me, what I found in my journey about that, and just for your audience, um, at the beginning, my spirituality was, uh, I'm a member of 12-step program. That's part of my story. And I talk about that in the book. That there were people, there was a group, not only a group that I was sitting in personally, but there was a group all the way all around the world that were doing the same thing. They were following the same steps and traditions and living a life in this way so they didn't have to drink, they didn't have to binge purge, mm -hmm. they didn't have to do those behaviors that I was doing, which were harming myself mm -hmm. and were mm -hmm. after math of CEI for me. And so I said, well, this is a power greater than me. I've tried to, to get off this. I've tried to stop this stuff on my own. It did not work. Here mm -hmm. is a power greater than me. Okay, so spirituality mm -hmm. for me is there's something bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And in 1985, I went to, this was, I was just looking at 12-step program at that time. I went to the Colorado Rockies in Boulder, Colorado, and we went and we watched a sunset over the Rocky Mountains. Uh, it was I my first Boulder. spiritual experience that I would call spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. I felt this big. Mm -hmm. I felt connected. I saw how huge the world and the universe was. And mm -hmm. I said, I'm connected with all. Like I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. I always felt like the guy out in space with the with the thing that's connected to the mm -hmm. spaceship that's the not tether. connected to anything mm -hmm. and I'm just floating. That was I felt mm -hmm. that way most of my life up until I was in my mid to late twenties. Mm -hmm. And when I was sitting there, I didn't feel that way. And to me, that mm -hmm. is for me, that is spirituality. Oh, the hope was ask awareness and ask for help. Boundaries. Sometimes you need to put up a wall. Boundary is flexible. Boundary can come in and out depending on what's going on. Might need a firmer boundary than others. My motive is that I'm taking care of me. It's not to try and change anybody's behavior. Sometimes I need a wall. I need shields up when I go somewhere. I'm mm -hmm. hanging out with somebody. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and then spirituality to develop that for yourself. And you know, the research over and over and over again is proving that when we take time for something like meditation, and it doesn't have to be um, meditation. It could mm -hmm. be walking yeah. and walk, taking a walk, yeah. right? Listening to music, mm -hmm. I mean, whatever it is. Well, if I take time to do that, that is doing that regulating of my nervous system so that I have the energy, right? It's changing my energy so that I can enjoy and I can be part of rather than separate from it. The last yeah. piece is this thing called forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Now this is a loaded, loaded piece here. Mm -hmm. So somebody gave me another word for that. And I don't remember what that is right now, but so what I usually say is what forgiveness is not. So it's very important that forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness mm -hmm. is not absolving anybody of sin. Forgiveness mm -hmm. is not kiss, kiss, make up, nice, nice, everything's fine. Right. Right? Um, what forgiveness is, is it is a process mm -hmm. of, of awareness, of feeling, of 
expressing those feelings, of understanding the bigger picture mm -hmm. that this multi-generational trauma, how did this all impact me to have that understanding of that? Mm -hmm. And then to make, uh, to grieve the losses that I've had because mm -hmm. of this and to come mm -hmm. to a place where I am ready to let it go. I'm not going to keep chewing on this for the rest of my life. One more thing. I know you wanted us to specifically bring up that there's a picture, a very interesting picture in your background of a, oh, of a girl. So explain yes. the I still don't see it. Wait, let me see. So I'm going to take you to it. Okay, I'll take you it. to okay. it. Okay, all right. Okay. And there's, there's some glare, but you can see her. That's fine. Okay. You can oh, see yeah. it, yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's the reason beautiful. why I have her, uh, thank you. The reason why I have her is um, because she is my nine-year-old. This, oh, this charcoal okay. drawing was done in July of 1972. It was 50 mm. years ago. That's and you. That's me. Oh, wow. And, and the reason why I have it is because I want everyone to know and to validate that we have these parts and that these young parts are present with us all the time. And it's so important for us to acknowledge them and to take really good care of them because we're the only parent they have now. And how are we going to treat them? Are we going to treat them the way we were treated um, when it wasn't okay? I had a mixture. I had great and I had not great. Mm -hmm. But are we going to mm -hmm. treat them in the not great or are we going to do it different? That's right. my reminder. Please, everyone, listen to this beautiful woman. Do you have your book? Could you hold up your book for us? Yes, please hold sure. it up. So the book we is titled Covert Emotional Incest. We will put a link to many things that yes, all your references uh, we've talked which about today. Mm -hmm. All your, your references. Book, of course, and your website and, and your book. It's going to be a long list, folks, but yeah. it'll be very helpful. We promise it is all resourceful and very helpful. So. Listen to her. Thank you, folks. She, I so appreciate you. She knows her stuff. Yeah. I yeah. got to run, guys. Okay. For an appointment. All right. Take but care. it's been great. And thank you so much. Thank you. Happy all holidays right. to you. Yes. Happy, happy holidays. holidays. You, so too. Much. Yeah. you too. Yeah, Take good care. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Right. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A million times. <laughs>